bunch of sand and I I intentionally picked in, 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 in Palestine so it's just people like so funny how like maybe people don't know so minorities like, children I mean it's just um, women in my time to tell um, or like Christians you know, I, I educate others about um, who we are because know? I think and that we're all that very similar highlighted very as much so you know it's not it's as much as it like similarity as it is a difference Hey everybody, so, hey guys, this, is this is Nora, and this is Sam with Olive Oil and Time. We're in the bedroom, aka the studio, <laughs> talking about art, oral history, and how that uh, intermeshes with our collective memory as Palestinians as we're stitching together our identities in diaspora. Uh, in the studio with me is Jeanette Habash. She is a local painter from Chicago. I'm holding her book we right now. We're going to tell you all about it. In front of us right now. Please introduce Jenna, yourself. Can you explain the process it takes to create such beautiful art? Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jeanette Habash. I'm a Palestinian painter here in Chicago. Um, born here, raised here. I went to North Park University, um, graduated just this past May. Um, so trying to figure out life after graduation right now and um, still painting. <laughs> that is awesome. And you're an amazing painter, Thank by the you. way. So I've so been <laughs> kind of looking at it, and I feel like a lot of what we want to talk about just mm -hmm. naturally expresses itself through your art. Before we get started, we do got two Palestinian unicorns in the place, right? We're both Christian. Definitely. definitely. So, hey, yo! Yeah, and I think that's... Also, like, I never really meet people outside of, like, my own family. Yeah, that are, like, actually Christian, you know, or, like, identify themselves as Christian. Um, because it's lit it's literally such a rarity, you know, nowadays. Um, and I just think it's just, like, so funny because a lot of the times, I mean, it's obvious that people generalize that every Palestinian is Muslim. And that's just because that's how people kind of see, you know, people from the Middle East, just anyone from the Middle East. Um, but it's also interesting because Christianity originated in the Middle East and in, in Palestine. So it's just like so funny how like people don't know a lot of things, but I mean, it's just then it's a my story to tell or like, you know, educate others about who we are, you know, and that we're all very similar very similar so you know it's not it's as much as it like similarity as it is a difference especially when it comes to ethnic cleansing politics mm -hmm. the zionists didn't come into our villages and only ethnically cleanse muslims or only ethnically right. cleanse Druzim or only ethnically cleanse christians like they chose a village whatever mm -hmm. the religious makeup of that village was and they expelled everybody right and um and and now as they're layering their oppression through mm -hmm. like bureaucra bureaucracies and like state sanctioned like you know inequalities mm -hmm. um you know now we're starting to see like these sectarian politics that are divisive and attempting to break apart cohesion within Palestinian mm -hmm. identity that again is being state sanctioned and a lot of this language of Palestine as like this like Muslim uh, struggle uh -huh. was actually given to us by the Zionists. Mm -hmm. That needs to be, we need to be very mindful about our community because the fabric of society uh -huh. as we see in Syria is just, 
it's fragile. It's very, very fragile. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think with, I mean, especially with Daesh and all like this, this the Christian communities, like everyone is hesitant, to, you know, to to like put themselves out there or to find justice in something or, um, you know, just I think just being a Christian now or in the Middle East is just like this thing where you're just always fighting, you know, you're always fighting for something. And I think that's global too, but it's um, like, it's just this like bright light that's just now in your face all the time. Um, And I think that is like super important to just note because again, there's often the confusion that, oh, since when are Palestinian people Christian? And it's like, well, (laughs) you know, indigenously, like that's just, that's, you know, what, like our religion was at the time you know that's where it based and that's where it started and um you know just historically like that's how it functions um and a lot of muslim families in palestine Mm -hmm. come from old christian families Mm -hmm. right so that's something too is that like our relationship to each other Mm -hmm. isn't as cut and dry like my mother's family is split up into from they're in jordan Syria, mm-hmm. Lebanon, and Palestine. Or, like, I'm talking about, like, the tribe. Right. <laughs> the, <laughs> whole, the whole family tree. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I mean, this is before the Zionists. Like, my, like, I don't even know how many generations ago. Like, how people keep the the records. Right. Because all these borders are bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and half of the family, the majority of the family are Muslim. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and like the minority of us are Christian, mm-hmm. but we have the same family name. Yep. We come from the same place. Yep. That's just what happened. And that's just also part of their history. Like it's part of all our histories, you know. But um, yeah, I just think that's so interesting too, like how that happens, you know, just in certain families. Like I know in, in my family, there's like a Habash family, they're Muslim, but they're also, I think they're Lebanese or Syrian. And I'm just like, whoa, like what happened? You know, like where, how does this all connect? You know, you like to, like, I tr- like to try and find like all like the pieces of string, like where did that happen? And then how did it like go out, you know? But it's like, you need like, where, where are all the documents for this? You know, not everything has documentation, but well, it's so interesting how that happens, you know? And I think that kind of brings us into what we really came to talk about, which is like oral history, documentation, um, and how that like informs our sense of like what is legitimate or mm-hmm. authentic history. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, one of the things that draws me to your painting, so I'm checking it out right now. I'm looking at her book. Uh, it is published by whom is it? <laughs> uh, it you can you can find it on blurb.com. <laughs> okay, so I'm looking at your book that is on blurb.com. B l u b b e r, blurb. I did not spell that right. B l u r b blurb. We'll put it online for you guys. We'll just type it out. But I'm looking through some of the pages. This is really an incredible collection of your work. But one of the things that I, that really struck me when I was kind of mm-hmm. going through your, I started off on your Facebook page, right. um, is just the way that you actually outline faces. Mm-hmm. And it strikes me because I feel like when we talk about oral history, oral history doesn't have these like clear lines. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have borders. Right. When we share a story 
and it's absorbed by that next person, the image changes. Mm -hmm. And we all take a part of our ancestors when we hold a part of our ancestors, I Mm -hmm. think, when we recite their stories. But when we give that energy into the universe to the next generation, we also join like our ancestors in spirit. Mm -hmm. So the story becomes a reflection of all that have heard and recited the the narrative oh of course yeah no i that's totally a a part of kind of what i do a lot of a lot of my paintings are just about just the concept of remembering right like when you when you remember something something, it's it's not not actually actually, you know know, part of of the reality reality. like it's just been passed down all the time and so i actually when i when i painted uh some of my paintings I was actually just remembering the image of the person I was painting in my head and just rendering that on the canvas right and just as much trying to remember that person and honor that person in my mind um and then once I did as much as I could once I reached some sort of clarity with the image like with the face of the person I immediately like went back and like scratched it off or like I sandpapered it down um you know and just went back to like forgetting and like forgetting who these people were because you know when you think about our history like we're almost like a forgotten people right like we're always being forgotten um in history and um and just like in a worldwide uh, spectrum as well um and so I think that that's really what um I was trying to embody that whole experience while also um, like just producing and honoring these people um, through paintings and through my work, um, just because it's it's really important to you know remember Palestinians and Palestinians are human beings and we're all you know we're all people. Um, you know, it's an act for me. It's an act of honoring. Um, I think, um, like as I'm making artwork, it's a it's an act of honor. Um, so that's, so that's with some, with of, the some of the paintings, like that's how it would work. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it, and, it's and it's very like laborious, laborious because you, you never are, you never stop, stop on a certain, certain point, point and you're like, like I'm, gonna I'm gonna paint, paint like, like this, this, right? You're right. constantly, constantly flipping it through your head and whatever, whatever is, is like, like coming out of the canvas comes out, right? Like I'm not predetermining any of this. Besides, Besides that, that, like, that one, one photographic, photographic image in my head. Um, and so, so it, just it just produces this, like, like really weird and, like, almost, almost creepy, creepy type of, like, ghostly, ghostly image, image, right? right? Um, and I think and that just... It is haunting. It, it is. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, it is. <laughs> but it's not... Uh, I don't feel uncomfortable with mm. the memory. And that's what I like about it, mm-hmm. is that it's... That's kind of what I mean, is that... I do feel like they're the individuals you're capturing become present yes. in your art. That um, their agency mm-hmm. is still there, mm-hmm. but like it is attached to your agency. And I feel like when I think of history and I think of my ancestors, and when I listen to the oral histories of uh, my uncles and aunts mm-hmm. reciting the like Nekba and like the Zionists coming into our villages and living through the military administration as citizens, when I hear their stories, like I connect to it, the same connection. Mm -hmm. Because these are like 
like all like it's like I'm carrying them all mm-hmm. on my back yes. as like in diaspora like all of these stories I'm mm-hmm. carrying with me as I'm like marching around the world trying to find a new home right and I feel like this is kind of a painting that you would fold up in your pocket uh-huh. and you would carry this image of your great aunt or your neighbor or who, whomever mm-hmm. you could remember to take when you're fleeing mm-hmm. and like and it is grungy and, mm-hmm. it, and it's it, it's not clean it's not it's not well structured mm-hmm. you know it's just like a quick I gotta move uh-huh. and I have to move with this memory yes and you do it in a really brilliant way I like your work a lot so thank you <laughs> <laughs> I don't know not to like be all fanboy right now <laughs> all right but um I I do really enjoy your work I think that it um reflects a lot of like our concepts of memory uh-huh. and I find it interesting that you you say that once you're finished you return to the painting mm-hmm. and you take sandpaper and you try to re- remove the memory mm-hmm. why really I'm, I'm seeing rainbows right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah there's definitely a very dark tone to the to the art and um as I was mentioning earlier I love that you open up that dimension to your art it's sort of that layer that you uh, rub off with your sandpaper mm-hmm. that that takes away the definitive identity of of the people in it, and it allows people viewing your art to insert someone they might know from their memory into this. It's sort of like a mold, almost. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have the face, the structure of the face, and you could put mm-hmm. someone on there that you know. And I I was mentioning how the one in the middle just reminded me of a mother. I don't know whose mother. I could make up a whole story for her. You know, a lifetime right. movie. <laughs> But um, <laughs> it just was giving me like a motherly essence uh-huh. to it. And I feel like um, when, when you bridge that gap, uh, it's very, in terms of the energy that you put into your p- painting or, or um, sketching, it, it becomes very easy for the viewer to mm-hmm. experience. Because you put, you put that in there mm-hmm. or you allowed it to come through the art. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I like the painting to show itself to me I don't want to dictate every part of it um because I I don't want there to be one certain viewpoint of it right like I want the painting to have its own agency into the and for the person in the painting to have its own agency I've got comments from people um who are like oh like that looks like my brother or that looks like my dad my uncle mm-hmm. and that for me really brings people together or and to have this experience um to actually remember someone specific you know um and i, ju- I just think that's fascinating where people can actually like their minds just go to that person when they're looking at something that isn't so definite like my paintings aren't photorealistic um it's beautiful to me that it's not specific people with with uh definitive uh phenotypical features mm -hmm. on them because what that allows me to do as a fellow palestinian that's viewing your art it i'm looking like let's say the the one of the priest um it takes me back to bethlehem bethlehem Mm -hmm. where i where i was born and I'm able to look at that, and even though I don't know who you might have been painting, mm-hmm. once you sandpapered, is that the term? <laughs> yeah. That layer off and, and sort of blurred the face a little bit more, it literally reminds me of all the priests I've seen my whole life mm-hmm. in, in Bethlehem. 
And it immediately puts me back in that place in my memory of when I was just walking around Bethlehem, going to like the coffee shops. And I have actually a specific memory. I have one specific uh-huh. memory I can remember from the last time I was there. And it was just one of the Arab priests. He was just yelling out yeah. to another one. He was like, Brother John. I mean, it's just <laughs> like, I just have the, like, the fact that that painting just invoked that mm-hmm. random memory in mind that I would not even think about from day to day mm-hmm. um, is very powerful. Mm-hmm. And is very specific to me and I can only imagine what like anyone else might be triggered to feel right. once they view your art like that is that's like a plethora of possibilities mm-hmm. and I'm j- I'm glad that people can have these personal experiences with my work because um, then it's more meaningful for them right it's mm-hmm. it's not just hey here's an Andy Warhol or here's like this thing we've seen before you know um, let me just um, what's what's it called? Like appreciate it for just like its color or whatever. Like it actually brings you into like a real life experience that you've had, and that like you're again just trying to recall it from your memory. Yeah. I just think it's fascinating, you know. When you're talking about how you modeled people that are living, your family members into these images to fill in the missing pieces of memory mm-hmm. or to get the angles right i'm sure as an artist it's like to get the angles and the shadows right but also like poetically it's filling in these missing pieces of our history well i think at the same time you know i think if we dwell in the past so much like we won't really see what our the present is in front of us like and that's why i just really wanted to bring that essence of life to even though it's very much about past and death you know (laughs) like i wanted to bring like okay there there is a life to this history and there is there still are people to this history you know um and especially like you know well in your process of sandpapering down Mm -hmm. and reapplying paint like when i'm looking at this and i'm thinking about that i'm looking at all the layers within the painting that are there and how much of like those original layers mm-hmm. are just barely present mm-hmm. on top of the new layers. So like looking at like the way our stories are passed down generation to generation through oral history, like the present story that like my mother told me is not close mm-hmm. to the original story. Um, right. <laughs> but like their reflections, there are, aspects of that original story the original moment of it happening like our family Mm -hmm. i don't know 100 couple hundred hundreds of years ago came from syria i don't know how long right um and like that story as like my grandfather told it and my mother told it are two different stories Mm -hmm. in one generation right and even mine if i were to tell it oh my goodness you would think we're from lebanon if i were to tell it (laughs) right (laughs) right like try like trying to like, there's no way it's going to be exact, right? But that's kind of, like, the beauty of, like, our oral history. Like, we get the essence of it. And I think that's what's really important, too. Like, when we feel that essence of our story, we're, we're just... It's always around us, right? And we're always carrying it with us almost everywhere we go. Um, and that's where I think, like, some of the paintings hold, like, this essence to it, which... It's kind of, like it's bridging that together mm-hmm. it really is and it's it's a product of the hard work you you are doing to bridge the past and to pr- to bridge 
your present experiences mm-hmm. and opening up that door for interpretation to other Palestinians is very symbolic of uh, our people as a collective mm-hmm. um, with a multitude of different experiences. I appreciate your art so much because growing up, we, you know, we see so many art, so much artwork of Palestine, of Palestine or Palestinians. And um, it's always like this beautiful woman picking olives or I don't know mm-hmm. if you know the one I'm talking about. Right. But you know the <laughs> yeah. ones I'm talking about. We've all about. seen it. <laughs> right. And it's just like that never meant anything to me. Like, yeah, it's cool. But as you grow older, it's like I'm more drawn to something that's more sublime mm-hmm. than it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, our history is not beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, every day, like our society... And, and, and Palestine is crumbling mm-hmm. and these dark tones, the memories they bring forth out of me and most likely other people as you've mm-hmm. heard um, it's it's very real mm-hmm. I, I specifically use the word sublime because yeah. there's um, an amazing philosopher from Europe, his name is Spinoza he talks about what beauty is and what sublime is and he says we love to look at beauty and things that are beautiful but philosophically or even psychologically speaking beauty doesn't inspire people uh-huh. sublime is is an object or or an experience that we feel mm-hmm. that is layers of beauty and because it's layered it inspires the human psyche mm-hmm. to delve deeper and to go through those layers mm-hmm. and your artwork not only has like tangible layers to it you know mm-hmm. while you're drawing it and then you do the sandpaper you know it has physical layers it also has untangible layers to it and that's the layers of uh raw history mm-hmm. and it comes together and it convulges in, in in this artwork and you're able to do it um <laughs> so well i, I mean you. of course as Thank an you. artist <laughs> you're able to do it your own art well but just the fact that it has so many layers to it it, it, it can leave so much interpretation to mm-hmm. literally the 12 million Palestinians. <laughs> right. Like, honestly, each single one yeah. of us could have a different yeah. story to it. The, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. The possibilities are hopeful. Mm-hmm. And they they have what I think a lot of people lack when, when they look at academia or academics themselves. They lack imagination. Mm-hmm. We look at the past too often and say, let's return to that. We romanticize yeah. the past. Yeah, definitely. When we romanticize the past, the act of romanticizing the past lacks imagination Mm -hmm. because the reality is we will never go to the past and I could use your art as a catalyst to think of the past but it also inspires me to have the imagination of what I want the future of Mm. to look like and your art does that in Mm -hmm. itself like the actual act of you creating your art Uh like bridges that in a tangible form like it inspires us Uh to think beyond but like you're actually creating a what is it like a rubric or uh-huh. a structure that artists and intellectuals can use that uh-huh. is bridging it like our history mm-hmm. and our present yeah that is so beautiful that makes me <laughs> feel so good i can't wait to get your book <laughs> yeah so um we just want to remind people where they can pick your book up at blurb.com we're not spelling it <laughs> it's on my website <laughs> We'll and, link it all in And the... are you doing a show soon in St. Louis, right? Can we get a little sneak peek on uh, where it's at and what St. you'll be? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I have a, uh, I'm in a group show that's actually near St. Louis. It's like 20 minutes out. It's in Granite City, Illinois. Um, it's like on the border of like Missouri and Illinois. But I'm in a group show called Where We Are Coming From. 
Um, and one of my paintings is actually going to be exhibited there in the plaque space um, in Granite City Art and Design District. And what day is that? When, when's it showing or what so day is it's showing from January 27th to March 3rd, I believe. Um, the opening night is Saturday, January 27th. Um, I'll be there. So if you're out near St. Louis or down south Illinois, um, please come out. I'd love to see you. That's awesome. So that means that people in the St. Louis area or people driving through the St. Louis area have a month to check out your work. Chicago folks... Uh, let's try to make a plan to maybe, uh, you know, shuttle a bus down there, support our community in rural America, <laughs> right. and we'll link it with this podcast on our Facebook page to try to help promote that a bit. So uh, we need to wrap things up. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing your work and your process, uh, you know, and, and kind of mm-hmm. give, you know, life to the artist uh, through this conversation. Thanks so much, guys. I I really enjoyed this a lot. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for creating such amazing art and for being here. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Things are happening. It's happening. هي مية بالمية كانت بريطانيا من صالح عم هلا انا بعرف اول يعني عرفته على اللي صار فينا صار صالح اسرائيل يهود اليهود مش اسرائيل ما كنا نعرف اسرائيل يهود واللي كانين يمسك معاه موس هالقد يروح فيها كثير بينما اليهود خشوا مش بال 36 او بعدها سرقوا الاسلحه والدنيا من محطه اللد بمعاو وكان جيش عربي ايام حارس على ايام بريطانيا بس هو كان انجليزي سرقوا باتفاق بريطانيا اسلحه اعطوهم اياها لليوم نعم طيب بس ما عندك فكره كيف مين اللي نظموا للاضراب ولا خشوا مش بس سرقوا وكان جيش عربي بريطانيا هلا انا بس ما عندك فكره كيف مين اللي نظموا واللي كانين يمسكوا موسى هالقد يروح فيها كثير بينما اليهود خشوا مش بال 36 او بعدها سرقوا الاسلحه والدنيا من محطه اللد بمعاون وكان جيش عربي ايام حارس على ايام بريطانيا بس هو كان انجليزي سرقوا باتفاق بريطانيا اسلحه واعطوهم اياها لليهود